Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia. And this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. As the full moon approaches, we look forward to the intense beauty of the lunar orb. But also lurking are deadly beasts and grotesque monsters, normally skulking in the shadows, but they can still bring murder in the pale moonlight. First, irrational fears hold you tight, followed by a cryptid waiting in the woods. Then, a brush with evil. Finally, in our featured story, running isn't always the answer. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Murder in the Pale Moonlight. Unconditional love is when you are willing to risk everything for that someone, even your own life. Like in this story, inspired by Amanda. Aisha had been frightened of the moon for as long as she could remember. When she was a little girl, any act of disobedience was punished with the threat of being handed over to that giant rock in the sky. No explanation was given, just that the moon would get you. 
Her and her siblings all implicitly believed the story. They didn't question it, because when they looked up into the nighttime sky, they were able to see a silhouette of a woman on the surface of the craters. They had been told that the woman had been a young widow collecting firewood, her baby strapped to her back. The full moon had engulfed her in its embrace, intending to trap her within its surface. No one ever knew the reason why, which just added a layer of dread to the tale, for it seemed any of them could be a victim. Those that tell this tale, some said she was a witch, and when the moon touched her, it caused the outer layer to burn. In anger, the moon killed the woman and the child, returning to the sky forever marked with the branding of her outline. Others claimed she was so heartbroken over the loss of her husband, she allowed the moon to take her, and now she is forever looking down at the earth, searching for her baby. Regardless of the true origin, the woman on the moon fueled their fear. Aisha was terrified of the possibility of it swooping down from above and somehow gobbling her up. She had insisted on blackout blinds and the thickest curtains possible in her bedroom, so she wasn't able to even see it when it was full. Over the years, her anxiety only increased. She planned all of her activities obsessively around the lunar calendar. Nothing would have made her leave the house in the middle of the night on a full moon. Nothing except her beloved dog, Cody. She'd been fast asleep when she heard something scratching at her door. Groggily getting up to open it, she was surprised to see her cat tearing up and down the hallway which was most unusual behavior for the lazy feline. She picked him up and patted down to the kitchen. To her horror, she realized why the cat had wanted her attention. The back door was open and Cody, her schnauzer, was missing. She took a deep breath and headed into the yard, hoping to find that the dog had just needed to use the bathroom. But there was no sign which meant he had gotten past the fence and headed into the fields behind her property. The fields and woods where various predators lived. She was faced with an extremely difficult decision. Either go back inside and leave her canine companion to the elements, or face her fear head on and go save her puppy. Trembling, she grabbed her flashlight and headed out of the yard. She called out to him, praying that he wouldn't be far. Her heart was racing. Her palms could barely keep a hold of the flashlight she was sweating so much. There was no sign of him or any kind of movement in the open field, so she knew she'd have to go into the woods. It was even darker with all the tree cover. However, the moon was there as always, standing out like a full beacon in the black sky. Cody, she called again. Come here, boy. She saw a quick movement, and then out of nowhere, there was a light so blinding that she cried out in pain as it burned her eyes. She dropped the flashlight, instinctively throwing her arms across her face to try to protect herself. An intense cold swept over her, 
and she sank to her knees, a scream frozen in her throat. She felt her arms being ripped away from covering her face. Then even worse, her eyelids were torn open. The intense light fried her eyes in their sockets. The thing that she'd been afraid of her entire life was coming true. The moonlight silvery cold embraced her and a shockingly tight hold as she was lifted from the ground. Finally. A foreign and impersonal voice whispered into her mind as she hurtled upwards through the sky. Aisha's irrational fear of the malevolence of the full moon had not been irrational at all. And if her fear could come true, then who says any of yours won't as well? Thank you so much, Amanda, for inspiring this tale for us. Listener, is there anything you're afraid of that seems irrational? What is it? And would you risk it to save your furry friends? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Went, And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Deep in the woods of North America resides a cryptid by many names. Bigfoot, Hairy Man, Sasquatch. Aggressive, territorial, and dangerous, this being is not one to be messed with. Like in this story, based on true events told by Gabrielle. I was around eight years old when my mom took my two sisters and I camping for the first time. She was a single mom, working two jobs around the clock, but still wanted us to make family memories. She packed us up in the car and off we went. My older sister Jane loved to torment me and our baby sister Rita as much as possible, especially by telling us scary stories. On the way to the campsite, Jane regaled us with tales of the legendary Sasquatch of the forest. I listened wide-eyed as she said he was around 10 feet tall 
and super strong. He has thin yellow eyes like slits and huge hands to scoop up little kids who wandered off from their parents' tents. He would then take them back to his cave and put them in cages, slowly cutting off pieces of them to snack on until there was nothing left but a skeleton. Of course, Rita was terrified and cried all the way to the site which earned Jane a telling off from our mom. However, once we arrived at the camp, all fears and squabbles were forgotten. We busied ourselves putting up the tent, and once we'd worn ourselves out playing hide-and-seek and eating chili, we were all ready for bed. The full moon shone down from the nighttime sky, and we all headed into the tent together. In a few moments, we were fast asleep. Sometime during the night, I woke up, bursting for the bathroom. So I quietly unzipped the tent and headed towards the trees. The bathrooms were a short walk away, but I didn't want to head down there on my own without a flashlight, so I squatted in the trees. Once done, for some reason, instead of just running back to the warmth and safety of the tent, I turned around to look further into the forest. At this point in the night, it was very dark, but the moon was still shining down enough that I was able to see the slight movement in front of me, a twig snapping here and a rustling bush there. Something was walking about in the trees. I wasn't scared. I don't remember feeling anything other than wanting to inexplicably follow it. And I did. I trailed the noises and the shadows through the maze of trees until I very suddenly realized it had gotten much darker since I was now well clear of the campsite and I had no idea where I was or how to get back. Utter panic set in and I froze. There I was, just a little kid in her nightie, lost in the middle of nowhere. And then the thing that everyone fears happened. The creature from my sister's story appeared right before me, tall and broad, covered in dark matted hair. It absolutely stank and it stared at me with those yellow slit-like eyes she'd spoken of. I began to whimper and it threw back its head and growled in response. I knew there and then that I would never see my family again. I would become an after-dinner snack for this hideous beast. It grabbed a hold of me, its huge paw firmly pulling me along. I didn't have the strength or courage to fight it. I let it take me, tears streaming down my face, impairing what little vision I had. It moved fast, but I was only small and it was so strong so it pulled me behind it no problem. It kept huffing and growling, and as it swiped its claws through the bushes and brambles, I imagined they would soon be swiping through my flesh, ripping me to shreds. Just when I thought I might die, it pulled me around from behind it and shoved me as hard as it could through an opening in the trees. I fell to my knees, 
expecting to feel a blow from behind or my throat being slit open. But when I opened my eyes, the creature was gone. And I was back at the camp, our tent clearly in view. I didn't hang about to find out why. I raced back over to my tent, waking everyone up. Of course, they didn't believe me. Mom scolded Jane for scaring us with silly stories and hugged me saying I'd probably had a nightmare. As I snuggled up with her, I began to feel less afraid. Looking back on it, once feeling calmer, I realized whatever the thing was may have looked terrifying, but had not once tried to hurt me. It had grabbed me by my arm using its paw, not claws. And what I thought was the path leading to its cave and my death had actually been the way back to camp. It hadn't hurt me. It had saved me. Thank you so much, Gabrielle, for inspiring this story for us from your true events. Have you ever been out camping? Did you experience anything terrifying or supernatural? Tell us about it at somethingscary@snarl.com. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers, where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. In moments of desperation, you may do things you know are dangerous. Just be prepared for what happens next. Like in this story, inspired by Amy. Back in the early 1960s, my gran, Elsie, was a little girl living on the island of Jersey. The island of Jersey is located in the waterway between France and the United Kingdom. The entire island was in a constant state of anxiety due to a prolific offender dubbed the Beast of Jersey. The Beast of Jersey would break into homes and attack women and children. People were terrified, staying indoors where possible and never alone at night. All sense of community and trust had been broken. One day, while her father was at work, my great-grandmother realized she needed something urgently from the local shops. They had no choice but to venture out, and no car since my great-grandfather had used it. They'd have to walk. It was a nice day on their way, but once they'd bought the necessary groceries, it began to rain. Large drops pelted down from the sky, the shopping bags seeming to get heavier by the second, all of a sudden, a man pulled up beside them in a car. This weather is atrocious. Would you like a lift home? Elsie's mum didn't recognize the driver, but people were always coming and going from their town. As her hair plastered her face and the shopping bag threatened to break, she decided 
she would trust in the kindness of this stranger. He didn't look like a criminal after all. But something had made her a little wary. So she gave my gran the house keys and told her to run on home and get the kettle on before stepping into the car and closing the door. My gran watched the car drive off and then ran home as fast as she could, taking the shortcut through the woods. She made it home faster than the car, which would have to take the long way and likely hit all the traffic lights. She flicked on the kettle and sat for what felt like hours waiting, staring out of the kitchen window where she could see the driveway. Eventually, the car appeared and her mum got out with the bags. She shook off her coat as she stepped into the warm kitchen and began putting away the groceries. Elsie continued to stare out of the window. The car hadn't driven off yet. The driver seemed to be staring right back at her, although through the steamy glass and his windshield wipers constantly moving, it was hard to know for sure. She shivered, and then breathed a sigh of relief when he finally pulled out of the drive and sped off. Let's not tell your father about this, eh, love? Her mum suggested, placing a nice big piece of bread and butter down in front of Elsie. They didn't mention it again. The newspapers continued to be full of doom and gloom and terrifying stories. The beast was growing bolder and had entered a home in the next town over in daylight, attacking a mother and her two young children. Elsie's father even looked into taking some time off from work so he could be at home just in case. Terror had reached a fever pitch on the island. Then, the following morning, Gran was eating her cornflakes when the newspaper hit the doormat. Her mum picked it up and gave a loud gasp. She then sunk to her knees as Elsie saw tears streaming down her cheeks. She had never seen her mother cry. She was the one who comforted her when she fell over or had a bad dream. She didn't like seeing her wonderful mummy sad or scared. Running over to her, Elsie asked, Mummy, what's wrong? Her mum couldn't answer. The fear visible in her eyes as she pointed at the newspaper which had fallen to the ground. At first, my gran was really surprised. Beast of Jersey caught. Local man arrested, said the headline. Surely this was a good thing. But Mum was shaking, and those weren't happy tears. Then, Elsie looked at the photo underneath the article. Now she understood. She bent down and crawled into her mother's arms, her own heart hammering and tears freely falling. You see, the photo was the man who had given her mum a lift from the shops that day. Her mum had been alone with the beast of Jersey. For some reason, he hadn't attacked her. Maybe he hadn't been bold enough to abduct her during the daytime. But if Elsie had also been in that car instead of being sent home by her mum, would things have turned out the same way? 
Thank you so much, Amy, for inspiring this tale for us. Listener, have you had a close brush with evil like in this story? Have you ever done something that you normally wouldn't do? Something that might have been dangerous? How did it turn out for you? There are so many things to be fearful of when you're walking by yourself late at night. You'd never imagine the thing you would ultimately fear the most would be yourself. It was 10 p.m. and Gerard had just clocked out from his shift at the local big box store. It was just after the holidays and he was exhausted from everyone returning gifts. And he'd had to work late because his buddy Mal had called in sick. He made his way out to his car towards the middle of the employee lot. It was practically empty, except for a few shopping carts and mounds of snow. He passed one particularly high mound when he noticed red on the ground and he saw a mangled, bloody bird, half dead. He picked up his pace, glad for the light from the full moon since the street lights were flickering. But when he finally reached his car, his heart stopped. The sides were all caved in. Every window was shattered. Long scratches ran across the hood. Gerard whipped his phone out to take pictures of the damage. On doing so, he noticed the scratches on the trunk formed words. If you're reading this, run. This vandalism had gone too far. He needed to call for a tow truck, but as he dialed the number, a car appeared. It looked like it was slightly out of control, trying to speed out of the back of the lot. Gerard jumped to the side as the car sped past him, honking its horn. Did you mess up my car? Gerard yelled angrily as the taillight sped away. Just then, the flickering streetlight popped, plunging the lot into darkness except for the moon. The full moon glowed like a siren's beacon He stared at it, transfixed for a moment. Suddenly, something flew past his head. Reflexively, he dodged, falling to the ground as it crashed against his car. He looked up and saw a hunk of concrete. Looking behind him, he caught sight of a silhouette of a very large figure and heard a deep growl. Gerard jumped up and sprinted down the street, who or whatever that was could have his car. Eventually, he stopped to take a breath. He only had a few seconds of relief before he heard loud, quick footsteps behind him and the growling grew louder. A neon sign of a store flickered up ahead. Gerard raced to the front door. He pulled on it, but it wouldn't budge. His heart sank when he looked up and saw the sign flicker again closed. But there was no time to panic. He could see the figure closing in on him in the reflection of the store's window. He dove out of the way just in time to miss the creature's arm, which went through the wooden door he had been in front of. He took off again, running for his life. Finding shelter amongst a group of trees at a nearby park, Gerard breathed a sigh of relief when something buzzed. It was his phone. His girlfriend, Kirby, had sent a text asking where he was. His phone. He had forgotten he had it, 
Hurriedly, he typed the number to get help. But before he could finish, next to his ear, he heard the creatures panting. He was knocked down by a hard blow to the head. Instantly dizzy, he felt something grab him and flipped him over. Mal? That was Mal. His co-worker who had called in sick, but he was almost unrecognizable. About two feet taller and completely covered in hair, his face was distorted with a long, thin snout. And when he opened his mouth, there were rows of sharp, fatal-looking teeth. His eyes were now a piercing red, but somehow they looked sad. Gerard's vision faded to black. He woke shortly after in excruciating agony. It felt as if everything was overstretching, but somehow never breaking. He tried to scream, but could only get out an animalistic roar. The same roar Mal had made. He held up his hands in front of him. They had grown into large, hairy paws with sharp claws. Mal had infected him, had transmitted the lupine curse. Every month on a full moon, he too would join the hunt. He let out a wail of anguish. Kirby had sent another worried text. He stared at the phone on the ground as another feeling washed over him, one of dread, but also understanding. He knew what Mal was and what he, Gerard, had become. The creatures of legend. Werewolves. At her house, Kirby was pacing the floor when her phone pinged. Gerard had finally replied. She breathed a huge sigh of relief then opened the text. It simply read, If you're reading this, run. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Janine Pipe, and Sarah Lukasiewicz. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Lenderman. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Lenderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings. Sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I 
Com. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wendt. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.